thanks to the recently released 10-part documentary by ESPN, Michael Jordan has been in the news. Ten episodes of Jordan Tales shared every Sunday night of the last five Sunday nights have helped bolster the man, the myth, the legend, and the golfer. It has done great things for the Jordan image, and it has done even greater things for the value of Michael Jordan's golf clubs. Jordan's clubs are up for auction right now, online, and if you act quickly, you can be the highest bidder. But bring your pocketbook because those items and all the other ones at auction are only getting costlier by the minute. Such is life in the high-stakes golf auction world, which is what we'll explore right here in depth on The Drop Zone. Folks, this is Sean Zock, your host today. I'm a hoops fan, a golf lover, so it's no wonder that those Jordan golf clubs stuck out to me. It's a big black Jordan golf bag with a red stripe on the side. And just like a tour pro, Jordan's name is inscribed on the leather in big white capital letters. The set of clubs is from the 90s, right? They're custom built for Jordan by Wilson. When you look down at the club at address, the persimmon driver has that angry Bulls logo staring right back at you. And Jordan christened all this gear with autographs. So yeah, these things are sweet and valuable, but they're way out of my price range. The opening bid was $1,000 and bidding over the last two weeks has already pushed it over $10,000. By the end of this thing, 15K is a very reasonable amount, way more than what these items were sold for a decade ago. But that's the hook here. Memorabilia, collector's items, things of historic value, they're everywhere. You know, those Jordan clubs, they were stashed away, but sometimes memorabilia is just up in your parents' attic or in the basement or being donated anonymously by someone who's just trying to do a good deed. Typically, you only see these green jackets at Augusta National, but one has made its way to Houston, here to the Guild Shop, in the form of a surprise donation. Here it is. This was a real find. We were going through a box of clothes, and she came upon this green jacket. And she brought it immediately to our uh, volunteer coordinators. I think this might be something. That was the story of a green jacket found in a thrift store in Houston. It sold for tens of thousands of dollars. And now that I've mentioned it, would you be surprised that something similar could happen somewhere else? Yeah. Another green jacket, this one from the 1950s, was found in a thrift store up in Toronto. It was purchased for $5. $5 for a green jacket, folks. It sold for $139,000. Oh, man. One man who knows a thing or two about turning items into cash is Ryan Carey. He is a co-founder of Golden Age Auctions. Carey and his partner, Bob Zafian, they currently have more than 1,000 items on sale for their annual spring auction, ranging from $25 to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Seriously, if you have that coin in hand, you can buy yourself a master's trophy right now. And not just that, you can buy Sam Sneed's master's trophy from when the slammer triumphed at Augusta in 1949. You just have to be the top bidder on goldenageauctions.com by the end of Saturday night. Ryan, thanks for joining me. Let me first start by asking you kind of bluntly, why are you in the auction industry? Uh, I mean, I think I kind of stumbled across it, man. It was, uh, it, it was, I was in the golf memorabilia. I was in the golf history. Um, I started an informational golf flag website when I was in college at the University of Florida. And there seemed to be a need in the industry. I mean, uh, the Sotheby's, the Christie's, they'd all kind of gotten out of the game. That was, I didn't even know that at the time. And eBay is just to buyer beware for my liking. Um, you just never know what you're getting there. And so, I just started it for fun. I, th I thought it'd be a fun little side gig. I thought I could uh, 
you know, find cool golf items was my main reason for doing it. And, uh, uh, started it in my, uh, my apartment, uh, at, in law school actually. And when was this about? This was 2006 is when we officially launched. So all leading up to that, it was just supposed to be a, a little side gig. I don't think I ever envisioned it being my job. All right. So let's talk about your job then before this takes off. What was life like for you prior to becoming an auctioneer? So, I mean, I started it in law school and purely side gig. We had no plans for the future, just find some cool golf items and sell them and, uh, and, and further my own collection type of thing. Uh, and then I went to practice law and I thought I was always going to do that. And, uh, you know, bought a house and worked for a big firm and, and, uh, just did this on the side still for probably another four, a little over four years. And, uh, and then we, we had a good auction. Uh, Tiger Woods kind of talked some shit about us and that was the best thing that ever happened to us. So that was a good thing. And then, yeah, so we were selling uh, some of Tiger's irons that he used in the Tiger Slam. So Tiger had left uh, Titleist to go to Nike a few years prior. And uh, one of Titleist's vice presidents had a bunch of Tiger's things. He was Tiger's right-hand man, uh, Steve Mata at Titleist. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had no need for it anymore, probably didn't really keep in contact with Tiger anymore. I don't think he was very happy that Tiger left him and <laughs> gave us a bunch of cool stuff to sell. And uh, Tiger wasn't very happy about that. That is awesome. So in order for this to become a full-time gig, how many auctions do you do per year? So, you know, we're really just three times a year right now. Um, we've been sticking with that model for several years now. Uh, we may have a fourth, but we're, we like to stick to three. And basically we make them fun events. So we are assembling these items where they're, they're usually owned by other people um, where we physically take possession of them all in our office in New Jersey. And we are just finding, we get $25 items up to, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars or more and just try to have a good mixture of things. We don't tell anybody about what's coming up. And then when we launch the auction, it's a fun event. It lasts a couple of weeks long. And to certain people, it's like, you know, let's see what they have now type of thing. And so just try to make it fun. And, and, and rather than that, like, you know, have them all the time and, and, and have it get a little stale, uh, we kind of make a fun event. Uh, but we're, we're, we're definitely having a lot of people wanting us to have more. So we'll see. What is it about golf as a sport and a hobby that lends itself to collector's items? Like we, we recently did a podcast about this golf club wizard who makes Tiger Woods golf clubs. Those clubs are artifacts. They're more important than the footballs that Tom Brady throws touchdowns with. I don't know what happened. I have no explanation for it. I don't know what happened between the time that I touched it and, you know, really till Monday morning, I had no idea what happened with the balls. Well, maybe that's a bad example, but what is it about golf that makes it such a collector's sport? I think it all boils down to uh, you and I are playing the same game, not nearly as well, but playing the exact same game as these people we watch on TV. And we pretty much do it our entire life too. So, you know, Michael Jordan's hot right now, okay? You might be watching the documentaries and, and they're oh, yeah. phenomenal. And it gets me thinking about my basketball cards I had growing up. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not really the type that's gonna go back and start collecting basketball cards. It seems like something from my youth. Well, golf, we don't, we never lose that. Like Jack Nicholas is still our idol. Like, you know, the, Tiger Woods is going to be our idol for, for decades to come. Exactly. And so he's going to be relevant for decades to come. And the new thing is we're all traveling to all these different great courses. Yeah. Maybe the ones that are on TV, maybe the ones that are in top 100 lists. And that's become a new collecting area that I didn't even really see coming. So you and your partner decide you're going to do this 14, 15 years ago. 
What made you good at being a golf auctioneer? I think that we were just collectors ourselves. So I don't think there was a bar to set to be good at something. It was, we collected stuff. Let's put it up for auction. Yeah, but you got so good at it that you ended up having your own golf memorabilia TV show, chasing down the wonders of the golf world, trying to get your hands on them. On this episode of Golf Treasures, we're heading down to Atlanta, Georgia. I'm going to give you both these putters. I'm going to take these eight ball boxes, and I'm going to ask for $6,000. How about those eight ball boxes and $5,000? You know, it was... It was supposedly going to be on the golf channel for years and we had a development <laughs> deal and, and who knows uh, what happened on their end. And then this back nine network was just splashing money around and uh, wanted to compete. And uh, they, they hired us after that development deal expired. And uh, we were basically told you've got a couple weeks to get ready. And then we went on the road for two months or three months or so and just, uh, had no idea what we were doing and uh it was uh, it was crazy i'm gonna guilt them or shame them into giving us something nice house huh you know what they say about big houses big collections it made our job a lot harder the show was it, it, it's acting man this reality show is acting you have to like open a door and then be like oh wow you know I, <laughs> i'm not an actor it was uh it was hard to do uh it was fun it, I think it gave us a little credibility. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think 12 people watched it. Uh, but, uh, but it was still like, people could still watch it. Someone brought it up to me a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, you still get some people that are interested. Uh, the good thing about YouTube is that it does, you know, live forever there, even though the Back Nine Network uh, uh, did not last very long. Tell me about the process of your job. Let's just say my long lost cousin, he has this precious piece of golf history. It's stashed away in his closet. Maybe it's a claret jug or something that Ben Hogan signed and stashed away. How does that item reach you? Yeah, so your, your example of a cousin is kind of perfect because that's how a lot of things come in. Because <laughs> either people are golf collectors and then they're just kind of you know, buying and selling through us or they're referred just by somebody else. And it's almost always that situation where somebody word of mouth wise is like, Hey, you know, that thing's worth something. Right. And it could be anything from a flag on their wall to the dad won the master's tournament. And then it's just, we're fielding incoming inquiries. Uh, it's almost never outgoing. I mean, almost never soliciting somebody saying, Hey, I heard you have this great piece or whatever. That's almost never happened. It's almost always incoming. Hey, I've got something that's worth a ton and you got to sift through uh, the fact that most things are actually not worth what everyone thinks they are to find the real to find the real gems. How I gotta know how often is it that people bring something to you thinking it's worth some big sum of money, and you have to break it to them that it's really not worth that much at all. Uh, every day, every day it, it happens. Um, uh, every jacket is, uh, is was was given out of the Masters tournament. Every every club was used by by Ben Hogan and gave it to his grandfather. And then you look up and that club was made in, in the 80s or 90s or made after Ben Hogan died or, you know, uh, there's a lot of that. You got to sift through a lot of the noise. Um, and if, if anything comes with like a really elaborate story or if anyone kind of uh, overstates how awesome the item is right away, uh, it's sort of buyer beware. Um, yeah. It's it's the low key people that say, oh, you should come take a look at my stuff. That's that's what you got to look for. Okay, so when an item does land in your hands, how do you go about making sure that it's real, making sure that it's actually worth something? Yeah, I mean, authenticity is, is a little easier than most people realize. Everyone thinks it's a, it's a big 
uh, difficult thing. That is true for autographs. Don't get me wrong. And we just farm that out to, to the three companies that are considered the ones that, you know, grade the autographs and authenticate them. So we farm that out. And then anything else, most things are self-authenticating. Uh, you know, if, if the person's grandfather won the master's and they have a master's trophy sitting there, it's the master's trophy. And so most things are pretty easy. And then the other thing is you just reach out to the experts in that particular field. You know, I, we are not experts on say silver. And so, but there are plenty of people that, you know, silver is all hallmarked and you find out wh where that came from. A piece of ceramic is all has a mark on it, where'd that maker and find a ceramic expert. And, right. and so you're really just finding the experts in that field. We've obviously become experts in some of that stuff, uh, but we don't try to be, be all things to all people. And then uh, some things you don't know enough about and you put it up for auction, letting people know the truth of, uh, you know, not every Arnold Palmer uh, golf club is going to have a letter that comes with him. But you, you, you see that it says personal model for him. You see that it doesn't have a stock serial number. You see where it came from. And will that one sell for a little less than one with, you know, Arnold Palmer standing up saying, hey, this is my club? Maybe a little bit. You just got to give people the, the information that you have. So right now, like we teased earlier, there's a Michael Jordan set of golf clubs that are available at auction. And it seems painfully obvious that they're at auction right now, as opposed to in recent years or maybe next year, because of the Jordan documentary. It definitely helps hype up Michael Jordan in every way, especially as a golfer. So how do you guide people who want to sell something on how to sell it or when to sell it? And what thoughts maybe they should have while selling it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, although the Jordan stuff was absolute blind luck. So we already had the Jordan stuff. We did not foresee that a documentary would make his stuff more valuable in the future. Uh, I promise I, I had no idea there. Uh, I would say we got really lucky. Uh, and that Jordan, the, the, the Jordan stuff in our auction has, it's, it's going neck and neck with the Sam Snead Masters Trophy as the most viewed lots. And that is absurd for a golf auction like myself to have a Michael Jordan piece that's, you know, worth a few thousand dollars rival a, a Masters Trophy being sold. Can you imagine still daylight? We might be able to get some golf swings in. Those Jordan clubs, they were first sold at auction like a decade ago, which reminds me that some people that buy things at auction are really just investors. Are those murky waters when you can tell that someone is just buying something to make a profit off of it, or is it completely irrelevant to you? You know, we don't get that as much as, as like I know the baseball card industry has gotten a lot of uh, what we'll call investors. Uh, we get some of that, but I would say that most people, it's not that they're investing they want to buy at a good price so that they can enjoy it for a little while and then sell it and hope to profit on it um, or at least break even on it, to be honest. So um, I never try to advise too much on someone that wants to invest because um, I, I can't predict the future. What I can do is give someone advice on value. And, and absolutely, why wouldn't you try to find you know, the best value of something? Now that's more for a true collector that likes a lot of different types of golf things. Most people we see, they just, one specific item speaks to them and whatever that reason is, uh, that's what they like. And so they don't actually want my opinion as to what they should pay for it. They just want to own that, you know, the photo of Ben Hogan with the one iron. If you want that on your wall, you want that on your wall. One thing that you guys have proven in the last 15 years or so is that you can sell some very big ticket items. You've sold double digit green jackets, numerous masters trophies, Claret jugs, Sam Sneed items, Arnold Palmer items. There have been things that you guys have sold that have gone for hundreds of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars more than they were expected to go for. 
what is different about selling those things that have like gigantic historical significance? You get a lot of different opinions on uh, what should be done with that item. Um, this, this item like that you described is always going to be coming from say the family member of a deceased master's champion. Back in those days, they had a two wood. Michael Lakovic is the last of Smith's and, relatives uh, to care for the jacket. Last month, he decided to sell it. We just feel strongly it should be displayed somewhere very prominent. And uh, I mean, I, I'd like to see the uh, PGA uh, Historical Museum uh, acquire it. That would, that would be nice. Some people think that should be in the Hall of Fame. Maybe some people think it should be back at, at Augusta National. Um, maybe other people in that family family are not happy that the uh, you know son or daughter is listing this stuff for sale. Um, you see a lot of that. We used to hear that more often. Um, it seems every day now. If you you know go to your website or go to go to ESPN, you see some athlete is selling uh, part of their collection for good or bad reasons. Um, so you know we we used to get a lot of feedback whenever a golfer would sell their items, the initial response was almost like, oh my gosh, do they need money? And that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. There's so many of them that are selling it uh, for charity reasons, uh, for other reasons. Um, you know, uh, you hear that a lot. Billy Casper uh, has 11 kids. Uh, when he gave us his master's trophy, he said, uh, it's a lot easier to split up money than it is split up a master's trophy 11 ways. That's great and very true. Is there any item that stands out to you all these years that was the most fun to be close to a, a transaction that was actually really fun to be involved with? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the story not only helps sell the items, but I think it, it's the most fun for us to, too. I mean, you know, we've had things as, as uh, you know, a bunch of old Tom Morris's personal photographs, uh, including of his son, young Tom Morris were, were found in, in a, in like a, basically a horse stable. Um, there's, uh, Perry Maxwell's, uh, the, the golf course architect, his file cabinet with a bunch of his documents, his photographs uh, of his courses was were found in, in, a, in a house in Oklahoma that he once owned. And uh, unfortunately, uh, before, we get, before they reached out to us, uh, they had thrown away uh, just reams of golf course blueprints, original oh. golf course blueprints that no one ever got to see. Uh, this house was purchased for 40 something thousand dollars, I believe. <laughs> and we sold uh, maybe $80,000 worth of their stuff. And the blueprints, again, we don't know what the blueprints were, but they would have been worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. This woman bought a house, a, another house story, bought a house in Augusta, Georgia, and in the garage, I don't know who's leaving stuff in the houses they're, they're selling, but in the garage was uh, Dwight Eisenhower's golf bag and golf clubs. Wow. And so what year was that? That would have been a few years ago. I'm not sure. The USGA purchased it. It's on display in, in Far Hills, uh, last I saw. And it's his golf bag uh, with, with the, the five-star general uh, uh, insignia on it and uh, custom golf clubs. It was really cool stuff. All right, Ryan. Well, before you go, let's talk fantasy. Is there a fantasy item that you could sell in the golf space? Is there an item that exists in the world that you think would just be a hell of a lot of fun to be involved with at an auction? Uh, I'm going to cheat and give you three answers quickly. The Alan Shepard Moon Club uh, would break all auction records. The the, the Americana of it, the, everything about it, um, and and so uh, the Smithsonian, I believe, has it in the USGA. I kind of I think they kind of split it or something. Wow. And then uh, 
Jack Nicholas's 1986 response putter is missing. Nobody knows where it is. And hmm. so that would be cool to have that, to find that, sell it for charity maybe. Uh, somebody needs to find that. It's, it's painted black. There's only two or three that were painted black. Uh, somebody's got to have it out there. Uh, Jack thinks one of his kids may have loaned it to one of their friends. So, so if you, if your kids knew one of Jack Nicholas's friends in Florida, uh, please look in your garage. Uh, it's the biggest, ugliest putter you've ever seen. Uh, somebody needs to find that. Uh, and then the other would be Tiger Scotty Cameron. Again, what you know? Can we sell this thing for charity one day? It'll be fun. Yeah, that thing would go through the roof. Not sure Tiger's going to be chomping at the bit to let that thing out of his sight. But nonetheless, thanks to Ryan for joining the Drop Zone this week. Folks, there is still time in that auction online. I'm going to jump in there and toss some money around myself. Major thanks to Lee Finer, who produced this episode. He is a man of great memorabilia tastes himself. Next week, we look at the future of golf. What will this game look like three months from now, six months from now, even further down the road? See you next week. <laughs>